You may be seated for our first reading. We're going to read from uh, the epistle of James, and then for the gospel reading of Mark after that, I'll have you stand. So first from James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it, con it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. From the book of Mark. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the, in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Today we are, this is the first weekend in Lent, and we're starting a new series called Grace Overflowing. And you can look at the picture, and that's, that's water that is spilling out, spilling over. And as God's grace fills us in a lavish way, the Bible says, it overflows. And today we're going to talk about how God's overflowing grace is demonstrated through perseverance. As I thought about it, I was reminded of a speech that Winston Churchill gave during the darkest days of World War II. This was in October of 1941, right after the, uh, the Battle of Britain, the, when the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, had rained down destruction upon London and its surroundings. It was right after Dunkirk when the uh, British Army was miraculously rescued uh, on the mainline continent from the German uh, Wehrmacht, and it was the darkest of days. And yet here he is at a school, one of the eight original uh, public schools in London called the Harrow School. And he was talking not just to the graduating class, but he was talking to all of England. And listen to what he says. He says, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. And nothing, great or small, large or petty, 
Never give in. Accept to convictions of honor. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Say it with me. Never give in. So there's your summary today. I guess we could go home now. <laughs> the fact is, you, maybe you've heard this before, that a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And friends, we, have, we face tests in our faith every day. And if you look at the lessons appointed for this day, you see how this testing of faith is something that happens in Scripture, and it happens in all of our lives too. In, in the first lesson, the, the gospel lesson for today, you, you heard again how Satan tested or tempted Jesus. The other gospels tell us it happened three times, and Satan comes to Jesus and tries to divert him from the way of the cross, tries to get him a different, to be a different kind of Messiah, and yet Jesus says it is written, and he uses scripture, and he doesn't give in. And then we get to this very practical book in the New Testament, the book of James. And here in James, we, we read these words, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, pressure, testing. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who loved him. Never give in. Persevere. Keep going. We know that uh, those times of testing are real. And we say, well, what causes, what causes us to be tempted and tested and pulled away from God? And normally we talk of three things. First, we talk about the world. The sin in the world, the sin around us is very evident. I don't have to tell you about what happened last week, the shootings in Florida, another tragedy. And I'm afraid that our young people today are being exposed to more violence than ever before. TV, but video games. The video game industry is very, very violent. And then we wonder why these things happen. And so the sin that is around us in the world is always pulling us and tempting us and testing us. Not only that, but the Bible talks about the evil one, Satan, called the father of all lies. Peter puts it this way. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour someone. But resist him. Stand firm in your faith. And so you know about the evil one, the evil one that whispers in your ear, it's okay. Everybody else is doing it. Besides, I know it's a bad habit, but I, that's just me. I can't break that habit. And so it's Satan, it's the devil that is constantly pulling us on us away from God and his ways. But today, in the book of James, this very practical book, we hear these words. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Did you catch that? It's not just the world. It's not just the devil made me do it. It's the desire, the evil desire that is in every single one of us as a result of the sin that we inherited going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Temptation is inside you and it's inside me. And yeah, when it comes to the world, you know, you could eliminate all the, all the opportunities for outside world contact. Uh, you could do away with your television and your phone and your computer. Uh, you could be a hermit. You could live a, an ascetic life 
in a monastery, but friends, you would still have temptation. And, and you say, well, why is that? It just kind of is inside of us. One of the ways I, the examples that I use is my love for ice cream. You guys like ice cream? And unfortunately, the time when I like to have ice cream is usually after a meeting at night. And I'll come home at 9 or 10 o'clock. First thing I do, I want to have some ice cream. And I've been told that I shouldn't be eating that late. You know, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, that's not good for me. So what would happen, I, I can take out all the ice cream out of our house. And I've done this many times. And yet when I'm sent on a shopping run and I go by the frozen food sections, there's a temptation that wells up in me. I need some ice cream. Or here in Carmel, there's just so many nice ice cream. You can go buy Dairy Queen and, and Graders and Handles and Freddy's and the list goes on and on and on of all these places. And I start thinking about that scoop of Moose Track ice cream. Or I, or I, start, I start thinking about that mango gelato that I love, Okay. And, and so, yeah, you can try to isolate yourself from the world, but you'll still have temptation. It's part of who we are. It's inside of us. And some people, they, you know, they, they, they try to blame, blame God for their temptations. I'm reminded of the story of the guy, and permit me, I know you've heard this before, but it's, it's one of my favorites. The guy who was borderline diabetic and his doctor said, no more donuts, and he was used to having a donut all the time because they were readily available at his place of business. And, and, and uh, so he, he said, okay. And he told all of his co-workers, I can't have any more donuts. Please hold me accountable. Don't let me eat any donuts. But then one day, he walks in with a big box of donuts. And he opens it up, and two of them are already gone. And his co-workers are saying, what in the world are you doing? You're not supposed to have donuts. And the guy says, well... This morning, I, I prayed to God. I said, God, if you don't want me to have any donuts, that's okay, but you got to give me a sign. And, and so he, he asked God to deliver him from the donut problem. He said, I'm going to drive by the donut shop, and if the parking lot is completely full, that's a sign that I'm not supposed to have any donuts, and I'll follow your will, Lord. Well, he drove by, and sure enough, the parking lot was completely full. But then on the eighth time around the block, a spot opened up. <laughs> the Lord told me it was okay, right? Now, James here continues, and he's very clear when he says these words. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. In Martin Luther's explanation to the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, that's the one that says, and lead us not into temptation. Martin Luther said, says, God indeed tempts no one. But we are praying in this petition that God would preserve us, that he would protect us from the world, the Satan, and our own sinful flesh. It's not God that's doing it. It comes from within us. And what happens is not pretty because James here gives a description of the process that, that goes on. Uh, he talks about, he says, he says, in the final analysis, that we are dragged away and enticed. And after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's the opposite of what we normally think of birth, don't we? When there is a birth in your family, 
you know, there is life times three right there, triplets. That's wonderful. And yet here the, the process is turned upside down. Our evil desires give birth not to life, but first to sin. And that sin, as it grows up, James says, gives birth to death. And we see that all the way going back to Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. Remember, God only asked them one thing. He asked them to obey Him with regards to the one tree in the garden. He says, don't eat of the fruit of this one tree. And yet it looked pleasing to their eyes. And then they were tested and tempted by Satan. And they, they, they believed that if they ate of the fruit, that their eyes would be opened and they would know good from evil and they would be like God. And so this desire that was inside of them then gave birth to sin. And as a result, God told Adam and Eve, you shall surely die. And ever since then, we are born with that curse. We are born with that original sin. And every day that we live, we are closer to our physical death. It's pretty discouraging when you think about it. And all of us have lived with the effects of sin. And as sin grows up, it causes not life, but death. And yet we are here today on this first weekend in Lent with faith. And we ask ourselves, is there any hope for us? Is there any way that God can give us the power to persevere? Is there any way that God can make us strong enough so that we never, never give in? James continues. This is what he says. He says, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. And by saying that, he's, he's telling all of us, don't be tricked into thinking that there's no hope. Don't ever think that there's no way to battle the desires, the sinful desires that are in us and the sin that gives birth. Don't think that there's no help for you and me so that we never give in. Here's the hope, verse 17. Listen to this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This is a wonderful verse. This is the only time in the Bible where God is called the Father of the heavenly lights. And normally we think of creation, that God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavenly lights. But it's not just that. It says every good and perfect gift, everything that you have, everything that you are is a gift from God. But there's one gift that is above all the other gifts. The Father of the heavenly lights sent His Son, Jesus Christ, on the rescue mission to save us. And when Jesus came to this world, He said, as the Son of the, of the Father of the heavenly lights, He says, now I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Life. While normally we think of sin giving birth to death, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the light of the world to reverse the process. So that Jesus, He who knew no sin, what happened to Jesus? True God, true man. He became sin for us. And he took the sins of the world, past, present, and future, upon himself. So that when Jesus suffered the punishment for sin, instead of death, what happens to those who trust in him? There in that garden tomb, death gave way to life. Because on the third day, Jesus rose again 
from the dead. And when we attach ourselves to Jesus by faith, his life becomes our life. And the sin that is within us that we are born with, those evil desires that, that give birth to sin and death, we are forgiven and free. That's the hope that we have. And because of Jesus, we have, we have the assurance that we don't have to ever give in. James goes on and he talks about the fact that, that God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. God has has made you alive. He has reborn you, rebirthed you, so it caused you to be reborn, so that you have life in Him. And it happens through the word of truth. It was the word that Jesus used to fight off Satan in the wilderness. He said, it is written, and then he quoted Scripture. And the word of God, the Scriptures, the Bible that God has given to us, is called the two-edged sword. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 6. And that two-edged sword, because of that, we use it, and that's why we can be strong in the mighty power of God. Chapter 6, verse 10. And when we use the Word of God, we're strong. Friends, you know, a lot of people give things up. Or I, I, let me take that back. Some people, it's their tradition to give something up during the season of Lent. And if you've done that, that's wonderful because it reminds you that God gave up His Son for you and me. Some people give up desserts. Some people give up alcohol except for communion, okay? Some people give up other things, and that's fine. But I would encourage you to not just give up something, but to add something during these 40 days of Lent before Easter. That you would add a time with God, with just Him where you take in His Word and you talk to Him as your God, where He strengthens you for your life through that Word of truth so that you too can do battle with Satan and sin and death and the evil desires that are within you. You know, uh, here at Cornerstone, you, uh, you may have already seen that we have a daily devotion that goes out on Facebook and email. Mine came this morning at 5.01, okay? Yesterday it was 5.02, so we're getting pretty precise there. But it's just an easy thing. There are many other devotional, there are printed copies back at the Welcome Center, and over on the other side, there are other kinds of devotional books to help you with that word of truth. Because it's through the word of truth that God gives you the strength to do battle with your own evil desires and Satan and also in the, the sin in our world. And yet I know that some of you are going through some difficult times of testing. We can yield if we don't have the Lord. We can yield to our passions. We can yield to the evil desires, as James says, within us. We can give up. We, we can give up on our relationships. You know, this month of February seems to be the most difficult month of the year for many people here in the Midwest. It's dark. It's dreary. And it, there are so many temptations, and it's easy to give up on your marriage. It's easy to give up on your children, and children giving up on your parents. You can give up on your schoolwork. You can give up on your job. You can give up on your health and not exercise and not eat the right things. There are so many ways that we can give up. And yet by God's grace, we persevere. We keep going. The good and perfect gift of God's only Son 
is yours. And because Jesus died for you on the cross and rose again, and you know that God never gives up on you, you don't have to give in. You never have to give up. We persevere. Blessed with the crown of life forever, but that life that is here today. And so by God's grace, we never, 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 say it with me, never give in. Amen? Amen.